the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. Well, hello and welcome back to our latest episode of the Potty Plotters Plotcast. I'm Elaine. Are you? I know. And I'm Julia. And today we are on episode 20 of our Plotcast podcast. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us via any of our social media channels. And this is where I start to grind my teeth because I usually get it wrong. But we are on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Potty Plotters. We've also got a website, pottyplotters.uk. And if anybody wants to get in touch with us, we've got an email. Naughty Corner at pottyplotters.uk. Julia, I think that deserves a round of applause. Thank you very much. Well, I was thinking... First did... time ever. We're episode 20 and I've yeah. got it right. Well, I was thinking, actually, as we're in the beer garden, after this, that deserves a pint. <laughs> Thanks very much. Of what? Whatever you want. Oh, that's Gin, lovely. if you want. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as you mentioned there, it is episode 20. And, and I've heard that if we reach episode 21 without killing each other <laughs> then we're in the top five percent podcasters in the world yeah who made that statistic or what do they say there's statistics and then there's yeah, 98 percent of statistics are made up aren't they so i think so no yeah well that. if you made it up well done julia anyway Not... 20 that's quite well done to us anyway uh so there's lots to do now on the plot, isn't there? And today we're going to be talking about planting out our beetroot, our peas, and we're also going to get the runner, beans, French beans, squash, courgette and everything else planted. So it's a full-on 30 minutes, isn't it? It is, yeah, but it is worth listening to, obviously, and if you are, that's grand, but it's really important at this time of year because there's so much to do and the weather will be catching up with us. We're into the longest days now, so get stuck in. Let's go to your plot, Julia, and see what we can do. But isn't there somebody else who's coming on? Yes, yes. (laughs) We've got an interview with one of our favourite people, someone who we've stalked for many Many years, and uh, it's Mr. Nematode himself. It is, and his name actually is Chris Holden. He's not an amphibian, and he's not a character either out of Wind in the Willows, but we do tend to find him whenever we go to any of the big shows. So, looking forward very much to asking some questions of Chris Holden in a little while. So, come on, Elaine, no point in sitting around here all day. Let's get onto the plot and plant this beetroot and the peas. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. So it's a lovely May day and we've come now onto the plot, onto my plot, and you can hear the mower in the background, the cutting around the site. And Elaine, we're now planting some beetroot. Now we've got different styles of doing that, haven't we? Have we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes, I actually shove my finger in the soil and put one seedling in per hole and you go clumpy. I do, I do. So... You get on with it. <laughs> you get on with it and get down well, there. If I get down here, I might not get up. I had a problem with my knee yesterday. Didn't mention my knee. Get right, down. come on then. Get down, come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. right then, off we go. So here's the tray that we oh that we grew earlier. And needless to say, we have got loads and loads of beetroot. So all I'm going to do, Julia, is in the multi-purpose compost is shove my hand in and then take each of the beetroot out and you can see that it's quite floppy really and that's okay because I'll just drop all the compost down there and that is a really healthy seedling you can see it's already got two leaves on it and all I'm going to do is shove me fingers in your soil that is very compact Julia 
and then put my beetroot in and squash around it. That's okay. it, ready for the next one. So the next one here is the next seedling and all I'm doing is I'm planting them about every four inches but I can't see what I'm doing because you've got a microphone <laughs> in my face. <laughs> Right, must well, get better at this. Right now, that's gonna t that is gonna take you ages and ages it just will, to get yeah, a few but I in. I don't mind. No, no, because once you're down, you might as well stay down. <laughs> but I'm gonna hand you the microphone and show you my easier method. Get your hands out of the I compost, know, yeah. then. Come on. There, I've done right. three. Lovely. That'll keep you going. Okay. okay. Hold microphone. that. Oh dear me, I've got muck all over this stay microphone. There. Stay okay. There. Right. So I've got mine, and I use a clumping method. So. um all I'm going to do, I've set a tray, I've got nine cells in it and each cell has got five beetroot in it. And I'm just going to give the tray a squeeze, tip them out. And look at the root system that's there, that's lovely. lovely. Yeah, perfect. Dig a hole. You're going a bit away from my line, Julia. That's all right. That all right? I don't want to do your line, I'm okay. just going to dob them anywhere, okay. really. Mm -hmm. I can just find a space, How very reckless. pop them in. Oh yeah. And there you go, I've done five in one go there. I'm just going to explain now why I do them in clumping methods. Because what happens, Elaine, once you plant you let it... go of my hand, Julia? I can hold the microphone myself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the reason I plant in clumps is so that they're not all ready at the same time, which is what will happen with yours. So what happens is one becomes dominant, a bit like yourself, <laughs> and uh, then I twist and pull and it leaves room for all the others to shuffle in place to let the smaller people in. All I can say is that it's slow and steady wins the race. The not proof of the pudding is in the eating. Well, all I can say is that I'm going to have five ready and you're going to have... Well, you'll still be here while I'm eating all the biscuits. Right then, what's next? So we've stepped away from the beetroot and our little dispute that we had <laughs> there. And we're on another bed that I've got. And you're going to plant some peas, Elaine, aren't you? Yes, certainly am. Mine are Alderman peas. And I know that you like the small version. Yes. I like the long version. It's a thing. And what we've actually done is set this up already because peas need support. That's really important because if they fall flat, they fall as a dinner for the slugs. And we're not going to do that. Bit of an analogy to life, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been eaten by a slug. No, no, I mean falling flat and needing some support. <laughs> Yes, there is that, yes. So, all that we've done is put two big sticks up, we've put netting in between, and then started to plant the um, seedlings, the pea seedlings, that are about six inches high now, and they will start to scramble up the net because they've got what's called tendrils, and the tendrils are these little tiny curly things that start to grow on the ends of the shoots, and that is their support mechanism. Okay. They grab hold, it's like having hands, but very different. So they are going to grab hold of the netting and then what we're going to do is put lots of twigs both sides of the pea shoot so that nothing gets in here because the pigeons love peas. Yes, you do see them sitting around when we've left the plot at night time. Just a question that we had in Elaine, actually, from uh, Margaret. I can't remember where she was from, but she was saying, when we do the sweet peas, we're pinching them out. Can we do that to these peas and then we'll get more peas? No, if you pinch these out, you'll end up with no peas. So don't uh, pinch out your peas. Don't 
stand away from the peas. <laughs> All you're going to do is plant them and let them do their thing. Okay. Dependent on what variety will depend on how tall your supports need to be. So if like these are older men, we'll need to add on more support because they'll grow to about eight foot. And then we've also got a little tub here that I've planted and they're called uh, Little Marvel. Aww, yeah, that's a bit like me. Uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. So um, all I'm going to do is put a few sticks around that because I've noticed that they've got floppy and we don't want anything floppy on the plot. Not no. not today, not on this beautiful summer's day. No. And, um, and actually, they will be flowering very shortly. OK, and another question. Um, do they all crop at the same time or do you have to leave them all to come at, at, at once or do you pick them as you go? No, they'll all crop at the same time but you will pick them as they um, flower then they'll go into the fruit and so you'll pick them as and when. But you should get quite a good crop here but one reminder, never let them dry out. They do like a damp bottom. No, they're not many things like a damp bottom really. That's they? not a very good advice, is it really? <laughs> only for peas, only, yeah, for peas. only for peas. Yeah, So here we go then. So all I'm doing is I'm digging in your no dig. So I'm just going down a little way, probably about four inches. And then I've got a cell tray here. And in each of the cell trays I've got in the little cells. Oh, look at oh, that. That's me. ready for planting for sure. So a fabulous root ball on there. In fact, if anything, it should have been planted last week. But we're not doing this podcast. Hey, a podcast, pea pod oh. podcast. Did you? Yeah, yeah, that's what that? we thought they were at yeah, the start, yeah, wasn't that's it? it? We thought yeah. there was something about peas anyway. <laughs> and it is. So all I'm doing now is I'm putting the whole cell's worth into the floor and then push the soil back round and make sure that they're firmed in because they do like a firm bed. My husband does as well, but that's another story. And then just twiddle with these, the shoots themselves, and then they'll start to climb. I bet you by tomorrow they will have climbed. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. So thank goodness we're back in the beer garden and can still hear the lads mowing outside, but that's a nice background noise, so we'll leave that for now. Julia, I forgot whilst we were on whilst I was on my knees, I noticed that you weren't. <laughs> I didn't ask you anything about pests for what? either beetroot or peas. Oh, kept no. not to. No. Uh, actually there is a pest for the beetroot and that's called Jan, but she just swarms around after the beetroot for a chutney. But there's nothing really that's going to bother your beetroot very much. It's the peas that are more of an issue and the thing that the peas uh, tend to suffer from is the pea moth which enters the pea via the flower uh, earlier in the season and will then well you won't really know you've got it until you open your peas and then there's a little wiggly worm in there and you've said you don't know you've got it till you've got it and I can honestly say I have never seen I was going to say a pea moth and I've never seen anything similar I was going to say moth pea either have you? <laughs> you're a bit confused today sunstroke <laughs> that's what it is so what would you do to combat the uh, pea moth? Uh, get the EnviroMesh out or debris netting actually that should stop it but what I would say is if you plant later and you do a main crop like I do Alderman then you generally find that there's no pea moth it's the early varieties that they like when the uh, peas are in flower yeah and you wouldn't know anyway because you don't like peas so the only peas the only person who's getting the peas is your husband and you really don't care whether he's having them he doesn't know so uh, <laughs> let's not tell him too much he doesn't listen to this anyway so carry on yeah. 
talking about your husband. Hasn't he gone on a diet now? Hasn't he gone on his carb-free diet? He's gone on his carb-free diet because we've planted our potatoes, obviously. So whenever we do that, that generally kicks him in. But what I've also got in front of me here, Julia, is I've got a good chit and a bad chit. (laughs) On a potato. I could say, was it anything to do with the curry we had on Friday night? But I'm not going to say that. Tell us about them, Elaine. Right then. So, by accident, I left a couple of um, potatoes, seed potatoes, in a bag in my boot of my car. Now, as you know, it's a travelling shed. And today, I went in there to look for something and found two little potatoes. But you can see that the seed potatoes, the shoots on them, the chits, are white. Yes. That's because they've seen no light at all. They are not a good chit. No. I'm being very careful about how I say this. <laughs> then I've got in my right hand a good chit on this potato. And these are dark green and look very healthy. And I can honestly say I've never held so many chits <laughs> in my hand all in one go. What are you going to do with the bad one then? I'll probably put it in the bin. I might knock the chits off and see if I can grow some new ones. Mm. Start again. Anyway, enough of all your chitting and chatting. (laughs) Uh, What are we doing next? Right, the next thing that we're going to do is it's the time of year where we can be planting out some of the bigger seeds and they are for the courgette, the squash, the runner beans and also French beans and pumpkins. So any of that family, that's what we can do. And the methodology is exactly the same for all of them. So what we're going to do, Julia, I can see you've got a huge pile of seeds in front of you. Yes. Right, what have you got there, Chuck? So I've got loads of seeds in front of me. I've got the courgettes um, that we're going to be planting but I've also got pumpkins, butternut squash, I've just got summer squash, winter squash, I've got courgettes that come into balls, I've got all kinds of things. You've got what? <laughs> Courgette that come into balls, love? <laughs> one ball. <laughs> Courgette, one ball? Yeah, they form hmm. a, a yellow ball courgette. Oh, okay, So I am going to plant myself some of them because okay. I thought they might be interesting to cook with. Yeah. But I've also got a couple of courgettes uh, I've got a courgette called Midnight and I've got a courgette called Astia. And I'm going to plant both of these for different reasons. So the courgette Midnight, we're actually, in two weeks' time, we're going into our producer friend's garden and we're going to give him a bit of a makeover. And we're going to be... Going plant- to give him a makeover? Well, That'll be like, interesting, yeah. right? Are you doing hair and acid makeup? <laughs> well, I don't know, anyway. Um, I, we've bought some courgette seeds that are suitable for going in tubs. And these courgettes are going to have no prickly... Um, stems on them like normal courgettes and they are suitable for growing in tubs so that's perfect for growing in tubs the what the, the other variety the astia i've uh, chosen for my plot because it's not going to suffer from powdery mildew which is something that they do tend to suffer from so i've selected that seed specifically for that and all i'm going to do with any of these squash seeds the uh, the pumpkins the butternut squash and the courgettes I can't get in now. Why does that happen? You pull something apart. And in here, they're quite big, aren't Ooh, they? Oh, yeah, they are big. Um, so they're about, what? Half, half an inch. Half an inch. And we are... Flat. Yeah, flat. So we are going to plant these seeds on the side. So the smaller surface towards the top and the bigger surface on its side, really. And all we're going to do is push it into the compost we've got some cell trays of six because we're going to give them their own individual cell and we're going to plant it on its side somebody promised me my own individual cell once (laughs) (laughs) 
Not sure what that was for. (laughs) (laughs) But that's important, isn't it? Because they need that room to grow. They need the room to grow. And we plant them on the side so that the water can run down either side and so they don't rot while they are growing and uh, starting to germinate. And all I'm going to do is set six of them twice the depth of the seed. Yeah. And then we'll give them a water. I'm not going to cover them with anything. No. I'm not going to cover them with any plastic. Just pop them in the greenhouse and they'll soon get going. And the thing with courgettes and squashes, they put on quite a rapid growth. So these will be plant size in a fortnight when we get into uh, the garden. And you're just going to leave them in the greenhouse? I am, yeah. Okay. Now, I also see that you've got your yoghurt pot full of homemade labels. Thank you very much. The importance yes. of these, Julia. Yes, they're very important about, you know... Plastic is out there and people will go and buy uh, their own labels. But we've already got them. I've got loads of yoghurt pots. They get used quite a lot at home. Milk bottles. So I just cut them into strips and make my own labels, write on them with a permanent marker and they're good to use. And and the good thing is that they don't rub out like um, if you were using a pencil or something. And uh, I'm not making any extra plastic. This plastic's there anyway. Grand. Well, I'm going to do very similar now to what you've done. But I've got some uh, dwarf French beans and this variety are Elba. They are green in fruit and they will stay green when you cook them. And I'm also going to do some Enorma runner beans. And the Enorma runner beans are fantastic, but it's just short for enormous. And obviously I'm going to have them on my plot and they will be. Well, they grow enormously. When when we say Enorma, will they grow really, really tall or is it the length of the bean that's going to be enormous? I don't mind either, Julia, as long as they're bigger than yours. <laughs> I don't care whether my, yours are bigger <laughs> than mine. It's whether I can reach them. That's the most important. I've got a ladder. You'll be fine. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's always me up the ladder, isn't it? You holding it down at the bottom. Safety. Yeah. Yeah. Safety, Julia. Yeah. Right then, so I've got these, these elbows, and uh, it sounds like elbow, doesn't it? But it isn't. It's elbow, and I am going to plant these exactly the same as you've just done your um, courgettes, and I'm also going to do my normas the same as well but I'm going to put some protection over mine because I've got mice in my greenhouse they don't live in there but they tend to pop in on an occasion when I'm not there just for a nibble on your beans they can have a nibble of whatever they like Julia (laughs) but they're not really welcome that's the problem so I shall put some glass over or some polycarbonate just to protect them and then I shall put some netting over just while they get going how long will they take to come up then about two weeks two weeks done dusted and on their way and the reason we've chosen that elbow is again we're going to take them over to our producer's house and we're going to plant them in plant pots aren't we that's after we've dug the lawn so it could be quite a big job and he doesn't know that his wife doesn't either hints and tips for shortcuts to success the potty plotters podcast I'm going to be starting off my sweet corn this week, Julia, and I hear so often so many people talking about already that they've done it. What I would say is hold back because this is dead simple. A hint and tip. Follow the same method that we used for the sweet peas just a few weeks ago. All that you need is a takeaway box with an airtight top. Make sure that you've got some kitchen roll or some toilet paper wet it put it in the bottom of that particular container sprinkle the seeds on the top put another layer of wet paper on the top and clip the top too leave it and see what happens in three days you'll find that they'll have already germinated and in seven days you'll actually have got them chitting and you'll be putting them into your compost another hint and tip 
So we're now going to speak to Chris Holden, Mr Nematode, who is one of our favourite people. We stalk him at every show and... Uh, but what is a nematode, Elaine? I don't know. Let's find out from him. I'm not sure if they're a real thing. A nematode is basically it's just a parasitic worm. It's a microscopic parasitic worm. In this case, lives in the soil. Basically, there is around about 12,000 different types of nematodes. And the ones we just use for controlling slugs is just one of them. Chris, not all nematodes are good, are they? No, the, the ones we use are the good guys, but because you get nematodes in lots of different things, you can get nematodes in oil and stuff like that. And, and people sometimes worry that, you know, we're using or introducing nematodes that are not good, but we only use nematodes that actually are already in the soil or, or around anyway. So we're not introducing something that is not already there. The way I've described them when we've been on air is that we're sending in the good guys, aren't we, to defeat the bad guys? Yeah, but basically, we, we can't call them the bad guys, but it's just a natural way to control them. So it's just creating a, a natural balance between the pest and the nematode, really. And the nematode isn't a toad? No, it's not a toad. <laughs> I do get called to Mr. Toad sometimes, but it's not a toad. <laughs> uh, no, it isn't, no. Well, I was saying to Elaine, when we go to the shows, everybody makes a beeline for all the very glamorous, you know, aspirational stalls that are out there at all the RHS shows. And we make a specific beeline just for you because we think, you know, really, it's not that glamorous what you're selling. Uh, nobody can see it. So you could be selling the emperor's new clothing. But we know that actually what you're selling is worth the weight to the gardener, isn't it? It is. I think. We actually, at times, we get very, very busy because I think what we we offer uh, or we try to get people to buy or not buy from us, they buy it online, um, is something that's going to sort their problems out. It's not a want, it's a need. Mm -hmm. And they need this product if they want to look after their plants or, or vegetables. And that's, that's what it is, really. So on the allotment then, how do you actually use it? Because you see, Martin, plot one, is convinced it's just hot air. My husband thinks it's mushroom pate because you keep it in the fridge and it looks like it. So yeah. how can you convince us that we should be buying this product? I always put it like this. If you spent a lot of time and effort, maybe money, getting your plants and nurturing them and, and feeding them and making sure they're growing, the last thing you want is a little pest called a slug to come along and demolish your plants. And so what we try to explain to, to gardeners is actually your little things that you sprinkle on the top of the soil is going to have a very minimal effect because 90 to 95% of all of your slugs live under the soil. Yeah. Once, once customers understand, once a gardener understands, actually at night, because with the amount of rain we've had, you know, it, it encourages the slugs, although it hasn't warmed up enough yet, but it will do. And the slugs will all come out the, out the ground and then during the day they go back down again. So they always come out at night, you know, when it's cool and they come devour your plants and that's it. So I think the biggest thing is a little bit of education really for gardeners. It's just to get gardens to realise actually the slugs live under the soil. So by applying the nematodes, you actually, it's a simple job of applying applying the nemoslug, is it actually includes a watering can, pack, a big stick to stir it up, and, and a water. That's all you need, and you water it into the soil. And then once the nematodes are watered in, sprayed into the soil, they'll find their own way and they'll, they'll find the slugs. When's the best time of year to actually apply them, Chris? Does depend on the season and everything else, but normally from about now onwards, 
through the season. And it depends what you're growing. Let's be honest about it. It has been fairly cold and it has been very wet, uh, but it hasn't warmed up enough really for the slugs. You might, you might have seen the odd one or two slugs around, but not many. And also the slugs will come out because a slug can smell the plants. It's when you start to grow them and everything else. And that's when the slugs will come out. So any time really, I we normally recommend from a mid April through, through this season. And so the, nematodes will just devour from the inside out of the slug is that right so they have a slug fest it's a bit technical so we don't tell people exactly because it people put them off but basically what happens is once the nematodes watered into the soil uh that it's, its main job is to find a slug because if it doesn't it will die um so what happens is they very often the nematodes were in the soil again you don't see what's happening they'll get inside the slug, normally through a vent in the slug, which is the eyes or the nose or something like that, and they get inside and they actually use that slug as a host to reproduce. So even though it's a one nematode might get in, you might end up with thousands at the end of it because that's what they do. They use the dead slug as a host to reproduce. From a gardener's point of view, from a customer's point of view, you don't see anything. And it's a natural way to control them. So you're not adding something that's not already there. So you're not adding a chemical or something like that. Nematodes that already exist in our soil, we're just adding a few more to help us out. And then once they've done their job, they'll die off. Right. So that's why you have to, do you have to keep topping them up then? Ideally, yes. I mean, you can be lucky on the packs. People get a little bit confused. It says last up to six weeks. And that's a belt and braces thing, really. But you can get away with using it just say two times in a season depending what you're growing what we say to customers if, if you if you used it and it's had a good effect if you start to see a bit more slug damage around good thing to try and use it again and it just depends what you're growing like for me we have lots of hostas ready for the shows and stuff like that so i'll treat all those hostas during the growing season of the show season then afterwards i don't bother and that, that's it really but if you've got an allotment you do an allotment you know you think about where you grow your potatoes we also to say to gardeners, where where do your potatoes grow? The soil in the soil. That's where your slugs are. So you would actually probably prepare the ground, water the nematodes in to try and clear any any slugs out, and then repeat it during the season. Have you got any for any old men with flat caps and a dog or anything like that? When you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> is that what the new one is? The nematode. 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 Yeah. Nematode. Yeah. Because they get right on my nerves. These woulda, coulda, shudders. Tell you what. Uh, the great thing is at the shows we have we do have a laugh, and we get people say, "Go think for cats." And we go, "Nemo cats, yeah, hold on." Fox, Nemo fox. There are other nematodes, though, aren't there? Not just for the Not slugs. Flugs. There's some for vine weevils and things like that. Vine weevil, yeah. Last year we just couldn't keep up with demand. Last year, and we got to the point where we didn't take what stock we got to for the vine weevil. We left it for the online our online distributors. Um, the, the vine weevils, I don't know why, we just don't know. It started off very early and everybody kept asking us for vine weevil. Um, so, yeah, we just couldn't keep up. But we do ones for vine weevil. Chafer, Chafer Grubs and Leather Jackets is a it's a huge business. It's just got out of control because people, there's nothing to control leather jackets and Chafer Grubs in lawns. And that that is huge. But we do also do one called um, a pest control thing for people who are growing uh, fruit and vegetables. And they'll do things like carrot root fly, gooseberry saw fly, thrips. Mm -hmm. So it's a good mixture of different nematodes, which they can water in and spray on. 
Well, you've heard it here first. Yeah. I'm going to have a plot full of toads of one sort or another. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> sounds like a plan. And well, on that happy note, go yeah. on. On that happy well, note, Chris, you might have to create one called Nemo Potty Plotters because <laughs> otherwise we'll be here to find you at all the RHS shows this year. That's a big pack, that one. So thanks again to Chris for his explanation on how nematodes can help us all in the garden and the allotments. But until next week, when we will be talking about pinching outside shoots, protecting your potatoes, pricking out cabbages, and a bit about zinnias and sunflowers too. Well, that's a, that's a lot. It is a lot, but let's get those nematodes ordered, Julia. Hey, do you remember when I thought that you licked your finger after we'd been watering them onto the plots and I thought that you might be eaten overnight from the inside yeah. out? You yeah. did keep texting me. Are you there? I Are did, you there? Yeah. 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 And it worked. The good and, thing um, is that there isn't a nematode for me yet. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media production.